This is a Balanced Brain Podcast with your hosts, Melanie Nicholson and Sean Clift. Welcome back to the Balanced Brain Podcast. My name's Sean Clift. I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Melanie Nicholson. Melanie, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Sean. How are you going? My, excellent, Melanie. Look, it's, it's really great to catch up. So we're doing part two of our Father's Day special where we've both um, picked one of our inspirational fathers. So um, we're, we're catching up with one of your friends next interview, Melanie. So um, that uh, must be exciting for you. Yes, it is. It's one of my closest friends, Harvey. We have been mates for 20 years. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. There's so many things that you think you know about close friends and family, but it's not until you really get into those questions that, yeah, you, you find out surprises. And a, and a very different interview to our part one Father's Day special. So if you haven't checked out part one, check it out. But um, let's go to our interview with Harvey now. Hey, welcome to the Balanced Brain podcast. Um, I'm here with my good friend Harvey and Sean, and we're going to interview Harvey today about being a dad and what his experiences have been like. Uh, hey, Harvey, Harvey hi. welcome to the show. Hi, Sean. Hi, Melanie. Harvey, we've been very good friends for 20 years, and I know that being a dad has been a very important part of your journey. So tell us a bit about when you became a dad and what life was like before and after Dom was born. Well, I think the first thing to say is Dom was not a planned event. I didn't, um, his mother and I didn't say, let's make a baby. <laughs> and I think a lot of children come into the world that way. I don't think parents like to talk about it much that you see it on movies and TVs that a child will just come along by accident. And that is how this, this one happened. Um, so that's not that unusual. I think what makes it unusual is his mother and I were in a, a different situation. We weren't married. Uh, we'd known each other for a couple of years. That's true. I wasn't really planning on it. I wasn't expecting it. So it really came along as a surprise, but it didn't. It was, there was absolutely no discussion about not having Dominique. And it did, however, mean a pretty big change in life circumstances for both of us because we'd been very established in our careers and where we were headed. And so that was, that was, that's the first thing I think I'd like to say. Um, the other thing is it was not easy once he was born. Um, and I think that's why it's a good thing to have this talk for me today. I think Melanie knows a bit about that having known me. A lot of, a lot of parents, whether it's a mother or a father, I think it's getting better because my son's 21. But even 20 years ago, it wasn't popular accepted to say, this is really difficult, this is hard. And I'll never forget a colleague, an academic at university, he said, what's it like having a baby? And I said, it's horrible. You know, <laughs> it's really horrible. And, and I've never liked babies, and I still don't, by the way. <laughs> and so it was very tough. So, yeah, man, it was, that's, that's, I want to put that as, that's foremost in my mind, but I don't want, let, let don't let the dark stuff through too much though. So but that'll frame it for you. Yeah. How, how old were you, Harvey? I was the wrong side of 30, I suppose you'd have to say. Wow. So before that, you, you were not, not, never interested in having kids or? No, not at all. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, so how did you feel differently once Dom was born? I felt very tired and very unwell <laughs> because 
he was not an easy baby. And I've come to know enough children now and talk with parents to know that there are such things as easy babies. They're in the minority, but they do exist. And then there's, I mean, there's the really tough babies that are chronically ill and, and even have life-changing illnesses or birth problems. He wasn't one of those, but he had a respiratory illness or something wrong every other week for almost 18 months. Yeah. And that wears you down, let me tell you that. Also, his mother and I separated very shortly after he was born. Right, okay. So we became single parents of a very small baby. And how did that change things then when you separated? Like, did you have shared care, even though he was quite young? And I think that would have been quite unusual back then to have that. Uh, for a baby, yeah. Well, yeah, shared care was very unusual for a baby. You know, Melanie, uh, you, know, you and I worked in, in that area for a while in, in, you know, blended families and that sort of, um, and that sort of area. And I think, I don't know what it is today, I'm completely ignorant, but I'm not sure shared care between male and females is anywhere 50-50 across the population. It sure wasn't back then. I think it was the number of men and women who had 50-50 of a small child 20 years ago was in the tiny, tiny minority. It would oh, usually be percent yeah. the mother and 10% the father. Well, I had the opposite. I actually left my career and went on parenting payment and I was the major and actually only carer. Oh, well, Harve, I didn't know that from that, you know, when Dom was that young. So so you went from not having, wanting, you know, really not wanting to have kids and having a baby, and then now you're sort of the full-time carer of Dom and he's only 18 months. Like, that's a massive change for you. It was massive. And it was actually called, still called the single mother's pension. <laughs> yeah, that's Really? Wow. Single mother's pension. There you go, you know. <laughs> um, and let me tell you, it was a big surprise. This is, that's, to me, 20 years ago isn't that long. So even 20 years, that's still 2000, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And I'm telling you, government staff were surprised to see a man turn up with a small baby. Hospital staff were surprised. The baby clinic said I was the first father to ever come in on his own with a little baby. Oh, wow. And that's one of my great stories is the lovely lady at the baby clinic at Caloundra, she kept calling me mum. <laughs> we get sacked, sadly. Um, and back then, she just kept cursing herself. Oh, I'm sorry. Damn. <laughs> and then she did it like the third time. She said, oh, Harvey, I've got to tell you, you're the only dad I've ever seen in here with a little baby. Yeah. So that's how rare it was. Yeah. And how did it change my life? Well, let's just say I now know how it feels for a lot of women to have your life turned upside down and your career stopped and have a very tough life. Yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah it's, it's, it must have been full on, Harvey, because I don't think that I've, even now, it'd be pretty rare to see, you know, a, a, a father that has co-parenting rights and, or co-parenting care for for a baby it must have just been full on how did you do the sort of nighttime feeds and 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 you know all those sleepless nights and things like that how'd you cope with that well sean between when he was born and when he was 14 months old i lost 20 kilos wow and got very ill myself because of being so run down 
because I said he was a difficult baby, just as a bonus on top of everything else. And I moved from a five bedroom house to a one bedroom unit. And he would sleep on the floor or I would sleep on the floor in the living room and he'd go into the bedroom or we'd both be in the living room or I'd both be in the bedroom with him and his cot. And I can remember having to restart my PhD when he was about one and it was like typical one or 2 a.m. So he'd wake up at 10, one, three and five. So four yeah. times a night. And I tried everything. I tried controlled crying. If I read anyone on the comments saying that I did the wrong thing, I will find you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my experience, Harvey, you just, you can read everything. You can, you can, you can get all the information from the internet. You can get all the information from other parents, but at the end of the day, you just got to do what you got to do, don't you? Yeah, it's, yeah, I agree, Sean. And not only that, babies have a personality and a predisposition and their own speed of development. And his was unfortunately taking a long time for him to settle and feel, to feel, to feel probably relaxed. And I think that was a reflection of myself because when my life circumstances changed drastically when he was about 20 months old, he started sleeping through within a week and wow. his development accelerated. I gained weight. And that was all because I think my own stress and um, unhappiness poss possibly were communicated to him as a baby. And you do hear about those types of ideas now that the, a baby can pick up if a, a, a mother, in inverted commas, is upset. Yeah. Or, and if you look at even, I've got a puppy at the moment, and you can tell the puppy can tell when I'm annoyed with just a look or a tone. And I suppose Dominic, the core kid, as a baby, was picking up on that. And if I had have been a bit more um, happy and a bit more content and not poor and not in debt and not leaving my career and not on my own and not very sick, maybe he would have slept better through the night. Well, there's no doubt about it. They pick up on, on the emotion around. They pick up on your energy. I, I, I completely believe that. Yeah, thanks, Sean. So, Melanie, I know that's, a, you know, as I said, the baby stuff, it does get better. If, yeah. if, if, if your audience can just stay with me, this gets way better. <laughs> but those, <laughs> those first 20 months were easily, everyone says this, though, they were the hardest in my life. They were profoundly hard as a man with a, with a small baby. But you know what? Once he was a toddler, it was, it was awesome. I, that was fantastic. So... And you do forget it. It took me a long time to forget it. I can remember when he was a toddler, two, three, four, five, and six years old, I was very sad that those baby years, I missed them. I was there. I was there more than any father I know, but I wasn't there. I was so upset. Yeah, okay. Because and I life was so difficult. I think I'm going to get upset just talking about it. So I'm not, so I still, even 20 years later, so there you go, it still upsets me that I didn't get a chance to enjoy my baby. Yeah. His life was so difficult. Yeah. And you can't get that back. No, it's, it's completely understandable. Under that much pressure and that much stress, it just takes all that enjoyment away. Yeah, so that's sad. And I don't look at the photos very often. In fact, I only looked at them about two weeks ago. I hadn't looked at them in about, I don't know, two or three years. And it was it was tough. 
So let's talk about the, the toddler years then. What what sort of changed? What what, what was where did you see the positives there? What what was going on in your life at that time? Well, so being completely alone was was you know, I mean it was no, it was probably good in a way. I mean it would have been ridiculous to have a girlfriend or a you know go out and grab some chick from the pub just to be a mum. That might happen, I think, in some cases. <laughs> so I was determined to do it on my own. It was the sensible thing to do. So I did. So what happened was when he was, you know, 20 months old, um, and I, you know, I, have, I want to be careful what I say, but his mother had a very tough, very tough time. And, and through no, you know, that she didn't get the support she needed. And, you know, she clearly must have had profound postnatal depression. And that is not that rare. And if you've got a very close loving family and a big support network, you can probably get through it as a full-time mum. She didn't have any of that. And she was also not, she wasn't 20, no offense to the mums who are now 40. And so the reason I'm saying that is gradually and very happily and a wonderful outcome, his mother did find help and did find support, fantastic support eventually, and slowly but surely took Dominic over more and more and more. So instead of in the beginning, it being just an afternoon every week, because that's what it started out. She had him for one afternoon out of seven days. It got to true shared care, Sean and Mel. So it got to 50-50 and boy, that changed my life. <laughs> And when was that? How, what, how old was Dom then when you had that? He was probably about 12, 14, no, uh, let me tell you, 18 months. 18 months. 18 months and then she was able to do four days and I did three days. And it stayed like that well into his teens, I'd say. Yeah. Four and three. And so how, how was that, Harvey? You got a bit of your life back. And um, so what, how did your relationship change then with Dominic? When he slept through, well, uh, short, I, I, you know, you can edit this. You, you will have to. Um, so this is what happened. So I was in this one bedroom unit. Life was tough. I was poor. I had no job. I had to give up my PhD. And once Rachel took him on four days a week, I realised I could go back to work or back to my PhD. I chose not to go back to my PhD. I thought I'd go and get a job. So I did get a public service job. That's where I met Melanie, by the way, in my public service job. And having a job meant I could move out of this bloody one-bedroom unit and into a house again. Now, I live in an apartment now. I've got nothing against apartments and units. I have been, I've lived in about six in the last six years. But back then, I was really keen to go back into a house. And having a job meant I could afford to do that, rent one. Um, I had owned houses before that. So I rented a beautiful Old, the oldest beach house left in Scarborough in Redcliffe, which is a seaside oh, town. I North love Scarborough. I love that little beach shack. Oh, yeah, so Melanie's been there and we won't wax too lyrical, but it was amazing. It was made of fibro and I didn't give a shit, you know, because <laughs> it was worth all the asbestos and the mesothelioma I've got coming, I'm telling you, because <laughs> it was awesome. And um, moving there, starting a job, being able to eat well again, because I had the most terrible IBS. That's why I lost IBS is irritable bowel syndrome for those who don't know. Lost the 20 kilos. So when my life became calm and I got back into exercise and eating, 
and having a, a job and you hear you hear women talk about this and I so understand them when you go back to the workforce as a, as a parent it it totally changes your attitude to your children or your child and probably to your partner which I didn't have one at the time and you have an identity again and you have a break you have a bloody break like seriously people ask me about this puppy is it difficult and I just laugh in their face <laughs> I mean, what's what? It's difficult. <laughs> and no offense, but I have had a couple of young women say they were crying. It was so difficult with their puppy. Oh, God help God. them. <laughs> well, that they'll learn quickly. They will, right? <laughs> anyway, um, so so Sean, what happened was all of those changes meant I had a much better relationship and attitude towards my son, who I did love very much. Look, we had some awesome times at, in the little one-bedroom unit. It was on Golden Beach, which is like on the water at North, in the Sunshine Coast. And even though it was terribly poor and it was very sad at times, it was also really awesome to be able to near a park and near the water and go swimming. And really, it was a fun life on the Sunshine Coast, like it is in most beachside towns in Australia. But once I got to the beach house in Redcliffe and had a job in Brisbane, and met people like Melanie and met the love of my life, that's when everything got even better. And there followed, Sean, the happiest five years of my life. I remember that. I remember hard. And I still am not embarrassed to say it today. And I'm very, very lucky to have experienced that. And by the way, they were still great years, and they are now. He's grown up. Like, he's so grown up, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but those years, in contrast to the couple of years before, it is black and white, depression, East Block, Russian film, suddenly <laughs> turns into Katy Perry, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. You know, Fireworks came out when he was a little kid. I still watch that video. <laughs> <laughs> And Dom's a beautiful, he's a beautiful man. I mean, he's, he's 21 now. He's, he's, he's sensitive and, yeah. you know, like I know that, um, you, you know, you have maybe a different relationship with him than other dads because you, you're more, there's, a, there's an equality there, right, between you and Dom. Like you've never, you never treat him like a, a kid or, you know, like you've always respected him as his. Yeah, it's a complex one, Mel. His own person and, and. And encouraging that in him and you know probably more as a mentoring Ooh, that's actually true i would say that i have not been a traditional dad and i do not mean this because of those first two years as a single mom <laughs> excuse the, the pun <laughs> no i have not been a traditional dad all the way through so much so that i was banned from going to any parent teacher meetings his entire school life <laughs> Okay. You can elaborate on that if you want. <laughs> Did you not know that, Melanie? No. Not a single one. And I had to respect that, you know. Why? Give us the... What? Look, I went to a couple... When he, okay. I went to a couple of them when he was in primary school, but found them so useless, I was glad not to go to any more. <laughs> and his oh. mother had that stuff pretty well covered. He also went to a Catholic school and... It was a really cool Catholic school. The principal was a like a bikey, you know, who very who smoked at the out the front of the school. And 
I could see the parish admin didn't think much of him. <laughs> so I was very welcome there, actually, but I was still cut a strange figure. And I know we're on radio, oh, not on radio, on the on podcast, so you don't see me, but I actually don't present as a dorky Australian middle-aged father. Um, <laughs> I don't look like one. I don't behave like one. And when you're a kid, a little kid, that's sort of cool. But when you're a teenager and your father's liable to say something incredibly politically incorrect. And I don't mean in a jokey way because he's out of date. I mean, in a, in a really good fun way, but dads aren't meant to be in a good fun way. They're meant to be dickheads and dress badly <laughs> and have one shoelace undone and a pot belly. Yeah, and chinos and chinos. And just, yeah, and just nod quietly while mum, runs through all the problems <laughs> you know? whereas I would rather go to school and if I was going to go to a parent teacher meeting I'd rather just have a chat with the teacher about what they thought about the curriculum in general I really couldn't give a rats about Dom's development <laughs> as far as what was happening in school as long as he got through his grades and got above a pass that was important and he didn't morally do anything wrong didn't beat anyone up um, both, and then I had a, a stepdaughter as well, who I actually called my daughter, and I've told both of them, you can tell me anything. And you know what, Sean and Melanie, they tell me stuff, neither of them have told their mother, and that includes the daughter. The daughter will come to me every time since she was 14 with tough stuff, and I mean tough stuff about sex and boys and drugs, and not to her mother, because yeah. I don't start yelling or turning my head away or putting my fingers in my ears like I've seen I've seen stupid crap on TV where fathers will put their fingers in their ears and pretend their daughters don't have sex or don't want to know about it. I mean, what sort of world do we live in? You know, don't get me started there. <laughs> so, but it does create, so they love that I'm like that. Yeah. They really like that I know all about youth culture and popular culture. And I did study media studies and I was a filmmaker. So it is my, it was my bread and butter to know about what young people are doing and lecturing what young people do. But there's times when you want a dad who is that dorky figure. Yeah. <laughs> and parent-teacher interviews is one of them. <laughs> so, Dom, how do you think... Ah, oh, sorry, Harvey, how do you think Dom has been moulded by that approach? By what Melanie said, that approach has meant that he has great tolerance and very wide goalposts of other people his age and older. He's able to talk with... My son is able to talk... My son could spend five minutes talking to a redneck and get on with that redneck and turn around and go to a women's march meeting and talk to a bunch of cranky feminists. <laughs> Would be that's, what has, that's where he has ended up. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, and it's true. He's, he's been so much less trouble than me, so much less trouble. I was talking to a, a, a girlfriend just last night because my brother and father were reminiscing about all the bad things I did as a child myself. <laughs> really bad. And I've, you know, I've had over 200 stitches from misadventure and stunts and getting hurt, right? Mm. Neither child has had one single stitch in their life. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if... My parents were at the hospital. They should have had their own bed there. Because, you know, 
was up the hospital getting seen to. And I also did some naughty stuff, I have to admit, when I was young. And, you know, I think the police were, you know, involved <laughs> a couple of times. Whereas these two kids, and Dominic especially, man, they're just, I don't know, they're too well behaved. I did too good a job. <laughs> so, uh, what what do you hope for Dom? Like, it's, it, you know, it's it's a very different world, right, from when all three of us were... Dom's age, it's a very different world. What are your, what are you hoping for him in the next few years? Or, you know, what what do you want to see? Oh, Melanie, that's a, such a profound question. And I have to congratulate you. Nobody has ever asked me that question. That's interesting, right? And you know, I'm a very, very private person, very private person. And I don't think people ask me that question because you don't ask Harvey those questions. Um, but I congratulate you for asking that. Uh, and I have thought about it. I even thought about it when he was a teenager. You may not like the answer and a lot of people might not like the answer. Um, I thought about this when it was quite young and my answers to this day is the same. I just want him to be well. Uh, I don't really care if he's that successful. I really don't care if he doesn't achieve greatness. I just want him to be pretty decent, be healthy if he can, and have a quality life. And that that is as in quality as in not not in the Ukraine, for example, at the moment. You know, like yeah. I so let me try and articulate it again. My wishes for him have always been very modest. I do not, did not push either kid academically, for better or worse. I did not try and hold huge financial success as a great aim or celebrity. I did try and help both children physically. I think that's important. And he did get into a championships in rowing. I was very happy with that. But when he'd had enough, he'd had enough. Um, so, Melanie... I have very modest aims for my children, and I still do. I just like them to be spared some of the financial stresses I've had, and I think that's going to happen. I think they will be spared that because they're lucky enough to have parents like myself and his mother and Josie's the I'm a daughter. Um, they'll probably be lucky enough to be those. They're going to be the lucky few that have parents that die and leave them enough wealth to have an okay life. So they're, they're lucky in a way, and Dominic knows that, and I've told him that, that he's very lucky to, to, to be in that situation. So Harvey, I'm, Harvey, you can see those, how pragmatic I am. <laughs> those, those hopes that you've got, though, mm. that they may be basic, but they, they're very fundamental for, for all of those things that can happen from there. I mean, if, if you're focusing on those fundamentals, and, and I would agree with that, with, I've got a six-year-old. I was very late to parenting. And, and they're very similar hopes to what I have because I think if, if as a parent or as a father, my, my opinion is similar, is if they're healthy and they're happy and they're content, the success and the money and all of that can grow from that. But without those really basic fundamental hopes, that, that they can't get that. Yeah, I mean, I, I do encourage them to... So Josie sometimes gets an idea for a business and I help her with that. She asks me about whether she should take a promotion in her job or go to a different place. I help her with that. 
Um, and Dominic has got, he wanted to get into the Air Force, but failed the medical on grounds of his feet, Melanie. I don't know if I've told you that story. <laughs> flat feet, not flat feet. They still don't. No, he has ingrown toenails that are so bad. They've failed surgery twice and it took years for them to get better. And he gave up his, so he, he, he's already had the great knock of disappointment. He really wanted to go in the Air Force, Mel. And when that didn't happen, he did take a blow, but he was very clever and he got into freight forwarding in the, in the private sector, which was like a bit like the Navy, really. It was the merchant Navy in a way, because now he's in his third year of being um, a freight forwarder. And Melanie, that's the language and the system that's used all over the world. So he'll be able to go and live anywhere yeah. in the future and get a job and just turn up and say, I'm a qualified freight forwarder and he wants to do customs officer next, not border force customs, not those guys, <laughs> and be a, be a commercial customs officer. And so in a way he did get into a, yeah, a traveling profession. And Sean, what you were saying, even though they are fundamental and I've tried for that, they have both already in their twenties had such great disappointments and problems. You know, Dominic had his problem with the Air Force and he still is a, I think because he's sensitive, like Mel's correctly identified, I think that harms him in this culture. Um, I, he's not a fan of social media. He does not get on well there. That's, that's a problem. If you're between eight and 25, I'd say. Um, Josie has had a lot of um a lot of challenges with anxiety and again fitting in in the workplace and not not being able to get where she wants to be she's a little bit older than dominic so even so that's why i'm i'm concentrating on the fundamentals because it's such a grandiose idea that you're going to have a straight a student and they're going to go to law school and exactly. work in and work in sydney at andersons and all that i mean it's yeah, okay, that's fine. So I've known a couple of young people now who achieved that. They lasted a couple of years, hated it, worked at it so hard, burnt themselves terribly only to go, this is a crap life. <laughs> I'm not saying that's for everyone, but I know for my two, they want a more holistic life and it's difficult to achieve. In some ways, I think it's easier to achieve some of the complicated but... Um, I know attractive you know like i want to i want to own three oh, you know what i hear a lot of young people say as a parent this is interesting melanie i don't know if you hear this i want to own three houses by the time i'm 25. oh yeah i hear that all i heard it yesterday <laughs> i heard it yesterday she's 27 and she's cross because she only owns one apartment i wanted to own three houses by now yeah i mean what the what you're yeah, disappointed with your life yeah, yeah. so harvey you've got a uh an amazing story to tell what what advice would you give to other fathers particularly yes, I mean you've got you've got you've got a yeah it's a father's day thing but maybe for new fathers or, or or people who are yet to be fathers but I mean your perspective is pretty unique what's some of the lessons that you've learned over the years well Sean I've just learned a lesson right now from you because I've been framing this whole interview as a parent and I've been falling into that trap that the progressives at university banged into me and I was just trying to ignore gender, but that's really stupid. 
So now I will talk as a father and not as a parent, as that generic term. And I'm going to do that because there are differences between a father and a mother. Um, we won't get into that argument, philosophical or uh, biological. So as a father, I do, I do believe that in any way possible, in spite of the challenges of, of, I know at least, there must be at least half your listeners are going to at some time have a problem with their child's mother as a father. They might even, that family might disintegrate. She might get a new husband. You might get a new wife or partner or girlfriend, or it could be the same sex, whatever. But I just want to say it is so important that young children have a father in their life. This is going to sound so retro and so um, outdated, but I've, I would, I've gone across four professions all the way from dropout concreter to a postdoctoral research, researcher and scholar. And I'm telling you, the children when they're young who have an active, interested, level-headed father, when they are between about 18 months and 10, have much better, well-rounded, socially um, adjusted, and I don't mean adjusted in a conservative way, they can handle society, and, and for boys particularly, they can handle their masculinity really well because they had a goddamn model. Mm. Yeah. yeah. They didn't have a mother trying to do both. God bless her. They didn't have a series of men coming and going. You have a, a you know, it, it can be a stepfather. It could be an uncle yeah. for those poor kids that don't have a father around. But having a man, a particularly a father, is still so socially important. I'm sorry to all of the multifaceted ideas of, of of what a family is but i'm telling you just as people are still getting married melanie yeah. most children when they're young want to go to school and say my dad dad does this my yeah. father is doing this and sometimes you might hate your dad and your mum or both but not having an active present father isn't just um difficult for a child to talk about and probably to live with but having a, and, and, and I'm proof that you don't need to be in. So I am pr proof of the progressives argument. I wasn't, his, his mother and I weren't together from when he was weeks old. Yeah. And yet he has grown up with an incredibly good, I think a good, well, I think a little bit of a good male role model with an active father who was there and is still present. You can do it. And so don't listen to any BS about, um, the fact that you you know that you don't need to have a father in a child's life that is cruel bs propagated by a noisy small minority yeah and you will make mistakes as a father as a man of course you will but if you can negotiate those mistakes afterwards and maybe think about them and learn from it our children are so amazing, like this goddamn puppy I've got. They can grow and negotiate change very quickly and adapt. They have to, to survive. It's instinctive. So, yeah, to any fathers listening, it's, it's bloody hard, I know. So I am talking to the fathers who are in difficult relationships or in relationships that have blown apart or about to. 
do the hard yards and and try and stay with it um, because it's it's not just rewarding for yourself but it is important you have a child i'm sorry but it is a responsibility and it is important until they're probably up at around 18 16 to 18 that's what i'm saying sean yeah i totally agree with you oh thank you because you know there are people out there who would have a go at me for what i just said <laughs> some in the community particularly in the anglo community <laughs> there i say Harvey, I think this, this has been an incredible interview and you've been so open and honest. And I, I think that you've shared so much and yeah, I, I don't think there's anything more unless you want to have a final say. I, I think that's been, yeah. You've oh, I will say something. Yeah. If you're not in your son or daughter's life, I've had great fun with my daughter as well. Amazing fun. Um, and daughters have, so I, that was I was talking about my son. So let me say, just I will you can edit this the way you want to do, Sean. So having a daughter is also very important for a father. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm because, a father to a daughter. Right. So. so let me tell you something, Sean, very, and let's hope this interview doesn't get too well known. <laughs> so having known we were girls in their 20s who didn't have a father figure, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it also causes problems a really different set of challenges and problems those girls who who either have a neglectful father or god forbid that happens a violent or abusive father or it's psychologically or physically they suffer so badly and i just don't mean from the physical damage that's probably even if it's just a minor slap on the wrist, but the psychological damage that fathers do by giving their daughters a hard time or ignoring them um, or not trying to engage with them or not showing them real care and love, that's also very damaging. And it seems to really come out in young women in their, in their, in their late teens and 20s, and it can completely destroy those girls and send them on a very destructive path. I'm only talking from experience. I am not talking from a large study experience. So I want to say that, Sean, as well. You, yeah, sure. Both both genders, you as a father, it's so important and I won't hear anything of it. And I have the patches. I saying on a funny note. Yeah, absolutely. So I've only ever done this maybe three times in my life, right? If I'm out somewhere and and there'll be a, a woman with a bee in a bonnet, a mother, and she's absolutely pouring SHIT on fathers and men, how they don't do enough and they don't know what it's like. I usually just let them go. And I say to them, I know what it was like. Here's my brief story. And I've never felt the need to say what you're saying. I just did it and I stay quiet about it. Yeah. You know, and it's been a blessing to do that. I don't want to. So I've earned my patch of being a single mum. <laughs> and I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of it. You've got no idea. And it was horrible. I don't need to talk about that and start yelling about it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> why, why bother? Why be cruel? Every, everyone's on their own journey and that's that's um you know yeah. I, I spent a, a, a bit of time as the stay-at-home dad myself. And it was a very odd experience around some people at times 
as you know, I, I felt that also. So Harvey, what's what's Father's Day involved? What's is there any sort of rituals or celebration or or how do you usually celebrate Father's Day? Um, it's very interesting. <laughs> with Dominic, with my son, it it's it it has been the cliche when he was young of his and, you know, his mum or the childcare workers or the school make you some doofus present. Oh, yeah. And quite frankly, I don't think I've got any of them anymore. No. So, whoa. Uh, so, you know, I just went down in, in the stakes of being a good father. But that <laughs> stuff's really sweet. I think when Dominic got him to our teenage years and like now, it means, it means going to see a movie because that's our favourite thing. Mm. Josie's different because she has a, a biological father who's very distant and very estranged so she always touches base with me and is very lovely and um it's 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 a pretty laid-back affair there's no dinner there's no nothing like that you know what Sean I don't even know when it is when is Father's Day I've got no idea <laughs> it'll, it'll be just after this episode comes out Harvey <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I've had my own children give me a card and go Okay, I didn't know it was going to be Father's Day because Melanie will tell you I stopped watching TV and politics and reading in 2016. So, actually, can I just say something just off? I know you can edit this out. So, I watched TikTok for the first time in ages and there were ads in it. Right. Right. So, I didn't, and you know, I haven't actually seen any advertising in years because I pay for premium YouTube and premium Spotify. I don't watch TV. So I actually saw advertising for the first time in years today. There you go. Did you just rush to the phone and start ordering stuff? <laughs> There's a lot of ads for betting and gambling. Oh, there yeah. you go. Oh, God, it is unbelievable. It is They're everywhere. So, yeah, so I guess Father's Day is for me not that. It doesn't really, oh, no, it's just everything. I hope that this interview might mean something to some people for Father's Day. but I'm sure it will. Yeah. I'm really sure it will. So Harvey, thanks for joining us. What what about something funny? You got any sort of funny memories of of you know of when maybe things fatherhood sort of turned bad or anything like that? I can remember Dominic and I. He was six six or seven, and we went to Sydney because they had a huge Lego museum display on and. He loved Lego so much that there was about 30 big Lego pieces in the house. So there's two funny parts of the story. One thing is a fellow academic came round to the house, the beach house, and he said, your house has Lego cancer. <laughs> because the whole house is being overtaken by Lego. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. So I told you, I tell you that because the Lego is so important to Dominic in his life and still is. I actually, I actually have a Lego from him from Christmas I haven't made yet. Anyway, so we went to Sydney and I got sick, right? Proper influenza sick, second time only ever. And I actually had to go to bed the whole day. And he's like six or seven or in a Meriton, like in the centre of the city. And he's like six. So I just put on some videos and I was so sick. I thought, I don't think I can even deal with him or do anything or I actually just wanted to go to hospital and I did eventually by the way I actually did end up in hospital but it was so funny 
um, the next day I did actually, he doesn't know this, but I had access to, to speed. <laughs> and this is why I ended up in hospital because I took speed <laughs> to get me through the friggin' Lego exhibition. <laughs> and then that afternoon, I got dangerously ill with a crazy heart rate and an unexplained, incredible stabbing pain. And so I had to be taken to fucking Sydney Central <laughs> Hospital. My auntie had to come and look after him. <laughs> take, get me out, like, in <coughs> my residency at the Meriton, they gave me tons of these. I didn't tell them about the speed. I told them I took a whole lot of cold and flu with ephedrine in them. It's the same thing. <laughs> and they gave me these massive, um, you know, like morphine-type drugs, observed me until about 3 a.m. And then, I, of course, I came down on all this morphine and I had to go to my aunt's and I had to get my my girlfriend at the time to fly up to Sydney so she could babysit both of us back to Brisbane because I was so unwell and out of it. It was a bloody Lego. Bloody Lego. I wasn't expecting that story. (laughs) It was terrible when it was happening. (laughs) But that's not unusual, Sean. We could go on for an hour of nonsense like that. Um, Mel, I'll let you throw from here. (laughs) Well... Um, that's been that's been a, an incredible interview and and open and honest and funny. Um, thank you, thank you so much. You're very welcome. I really thanks, I really Harvey. Like to you. Thanks, Sean. It's been a pleasure, and keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All right, thanks, guys. Right. Thank you. See you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, that'll be a bloody challenge to edit.